0: Welcome back, everyone. We have a very special guest in studio with us today who needs no introduction at all. But why don't you go ahead and give us one? Tell us who you are and a little bit about yourself. My name is Latrice Royale. Latrice Royale is large and in charge, chunky yet funky. Yeah, I've been called that too. (laughs) That's awesome. But uh, I heard you're a big fan of the show. I love you and respect you so much. And thank you for seeing something special in me. Well, of course, you're super talented. And that mic sounds terrible. Why don't you get a little bit uh, closer to your mouth there? You know, we don't agree on everything, though. I know right before we started here, we were talking about cell service and uh, Wi-Fi and stuff. And I couldn't believe it. But why don't you tell the audience the type of internet connection you prefer? 5Gs, please. Come on, Latrice. You know 5G is bad. You know 5G. Come on. Everyone knows 5G is bad now. Anyway, I know we'll never agree on that one. But uh, what do you think about being in studio so far? How has your experience been today? The level of unprofessionalism, far too much. Jeez. All right. All right. Calm down. Sound kind of hangry. Why don't you? Here, I got some. I got some. Uh, here's some diet coke and some trail mix. Jeez, get those nuts away from my face. <laughs> Welcome back to Everything Allegedly. My name is Sean, and it has been alleged that I watch RuPaul's Drag Race. Uh, accused, in fact. <laughs> but before all that, let me just say, let me just say, thank you so much for uh, for listening, for uh, subscribing, for sharing the podcast because it is doing great. It's killing it. So uh, thank you so much for that. Couldn't do it without you. And uh, thank you also for following on the social media accounts last week. I did ask you guys to follow the social media accounts. And uh, that's definitely ticking up, too. So I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, sorry. <laughs> sorry if uh, you followed the Twitter page because just uh, just hasn't been getting love for me. And that's because they don't show me any love. I can't be on Twitter, apparently, after submitting my mm, fifth uh, request to have my account restored. They, uh, they have denied it five times. So I think I'm going to stop trying. And, um, you know, we have the show page and post a little bit over there, but nothing like we're doing on minds. So big shout out to minds. Minds is the social media home for the show. And uh, so far so good. It's going well over there. There's a lot of engagement. And in fact. They have been doing this really cool thing where they kind of ask questions of some of the more active users, and then they push those questions or those answers out to, I guess, the rest of the community, and it stimulates engagement and uh, it's a kind of a cool way to interact. So we are uh, having fun over there and uh, enjoying Minds. So uh, if you're on Minds, give us a follow, and if you're not on Minds, get a page. I think you'll like it. The other shout-out that I want to uh, give is, uh, is not needed at all. <laughs> not Definitely not needed from this show, but I do want to shout-out the RFK Jr. episode that uh, just dropped on the Joe Rogan Experience. And I am just so happy to see that RFK Jr., who has been a voice in the uh, uh, the vaccine topic is on the biggest show there is and he is talking about the vaccine schedule that we just talked about a couple of weeks ago. And so I'm just tickled pink that he's out there. he's uh, he's he's saying what needs to be said and he's doing a great job and I hope that message gets out to a lot of people. In fact, I know it will. You can't go on the Joe Rogan show without that happening. So that's awesome. Uh, check out that episode if you haven't heard it already. JFK, uh, or RFK Jr., excuse me, is, uh, doing great things. He really is. And, um, I hate talking about presidential politics when it's so far away, but as I have said on this podcast, I have two Hills that I'll die on and that's medical freedom and personal protection. And so these days, what that looks like is essentially gun rights and, uh, vaccines in a lot of cases and so rfk jr is out there doing the lord's work on vaccines and um he has uh, made some recent comments about uh, the second amendment that are good and i'll just say this <laughs> i'll just say that um rfk jr didn't uh didn't do warp speed <laughs> and uh, and he didn't uh, ban bump stocks so in any case <laughs> we'll we'll do an episode about uh, presidential prospects in the future but but uh, RFK Jr., great job. He's, uh, he's killing it. So, so is it true? I have been accused <laughs> of watching RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes, I was credibly accused. It is true. It's true. All this toxic masculinity. And yes, <laughs> I watch RuPaul's Drag, Sh- uh, Drag Show. It is hilarious. I love it. I've been watching it from the beginning, back when it was on uh, Logo. Logo TV is where it started a long time ago. And it's a hilarious show. It is classically funny. It's men <laughs> dressed up as women doing these offensive caricatures of women. <laughs> so it's it's pretty funny. I don't know how I'd feel about it if I was a woman. But uh, as a dude, I think it's pretty funny. And uh, in the intro was uh, Latrice Royale, my, uh, my favorite drag queen of all the seasons. Because I like the fat queens. Cause it's hilarious, <laughs> seeing the the fat queens in uh, in dresses acting like ladies. It's just just it's it's funnier. It's funnier, and uh, not the best name of all time though. The best name on RuPaul's Drag Race goes to Sharon Needles. <laughs> A special place in my heart for that one. <laughs> but anyway, I don't uh, I don't watch it that much anymore, and uh, that's because it's gotten it's gotten really vulgar. Lately, it used to be so funny uh, with a lot of double entendre and, uh, you know, just just uh, more silly humor. I mean, still adult, but a little bit more innocent uh, humor. And now it's just kind of gotten grossly sexual and crude. So I don't really watch it that much anymore. But um, you know what else is weird? The uh, last, uh, I think, couple of seasons, there has been a, a transgender uh, contestant, which uh, doesn't make any sense to me. Like, uh, on one hand, I'm supposed to believe you are legitimately a woman or, uh, you know, as the activists say, <laughs> and then you're competing to act like a woman. I don't know. sounds like you're cheating to me. Sounds like you're cheating. In fact, <laughs> reminds me of, uh, being in high school, uh, where I went to high school was, um, uh, very much a, uh, Mexican area, a lot of, uh, a lot of Mexican people in the area and, uh, they still got to take Spanish class. So I, I didn't think that was all that fair, but Hey, I had to take English. So whatever. Um, anyway, anyway, so yeah, uh, RuPaul's drag race, great show. <laughs> and, um, uh, here we are, we are in, uh, uh, pride month. Can you believe it? Oh boy. It's the greatest month. Yes. It actually is the greatest month. Objectively speaking, June is the greatest month. But uh but the gays took it. <laughs> the gays took June. And uh they had to. They they didn't have many choices. They they had to take June or or one of the summer months because pride goeth before the fall. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> pride goeth before the fall. All right. <laughs> it's kind of a uh Kind of a dad joke, uh, kind of a gay joke, kind of a biblical joke. What it definitely is not is a gay dad joke, so stop it. (laughs) But anyway, yes, pride goeth before the fall. It is uh, Proverbs. What is that saying? What does the saying mean, pride goeth before the fall? Because now we have an entire month dedicated to one of the deadly sins. We should examine this. Um, I'm not going to preach to you here from my newly upgraded studio pulpit, which, by the way, by the way, in the uh, process of being upgraded, we're going to be doing videos and interviews here real soon, so stay tuned for that. But anyway, I'm not going to preach to you, but um, but what does this saying mean? What does it mean to for pride to go with before the fall? Because uh, that is, like I said, it is uh, Proverbs. It's from the Old Testament, and. The way I feel about much of the Old Testament is that these are are allegory. These are stories. These are meant to be lessons, life lessons for us. And so pride, which is uh, basically rampant, unchecked, self-obsession, well, they're telling us it's a terrible way to live, and it can lead to your downfall. And it means that thousands of years ago— and who knows, tens or hundreds of thousands of years ago when these oral traditions started, they knew that. They knew that pride was not a good thing to have. And yet now in modern society, we are encouraging this so much so that we devote an entire month to this rampant and unchecked self-obsession. Now I'm sober and I've mentioned it quite a few times on this podcast. I got sober in a 12-step program. And in the program, they say that uh, the root of our problem is that we were selfish and self-centered. And that is definitely true. One of the ways you can improve yourself and you can enjoy life and you can feel fulfilled in life is to be of service to others, to help others. And so when we are uh, purely in ourself when we are concentrating on only ourself when we are uh selfish and self-centered it does not lead to good outcomes and it's there in the old testament they knew about it a long time ago so uh there's no net good that comes from purely selfish motivation and uh and and lately it's like uh it's like the me generation it's it's uh, all about this um it's all about self. It's all about you know being offended by by the words other people uh, uh, say and 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 uh, you know having a safe space and uh, taking time for self love and self care and yeah, it's basically everything on TikTok. <laughs> and um, and so, what is Pride Month about? Is 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 that what Pride Month is about? Well, uh, kind of, because it's not it's not really anymore. About uh, equality and acceptance, and it's increasingly becoming about this new religion, this new state-approved religion, because um, because nothing quite says that uh, you want to be accepted, or uh, you wanted to be treated equally, or you just want the freedom to love whoever you want to love. Nothing quite says that like putting on your your studded leather harness. And your gimp mask, and and your rainbow strap on, and parading down the street spanking people, right? Because that's that's how you gain the uh, the public support for for your uh, your uh, what will we call it? Oh, geez, sorry about that. Just hit my headphones on the microphone. I'll try and uh, try and get that one out of there. But anyway, uh, so so yeah. Uh, the reason we know it's not about, um, equality, acceptance, and things like that is because Pride Month, or the Pride Movement, uh, so-called, has been around in the U.S. for a long, long time, and, um, and I, your humble host, has, uh, has a long history for, uh, supporting gay rights. Uh, no, not in my gimp mask and strap-on, no, it's, uh, I had a different approach, but, uh. But uh, an advocate, nonetheless, uh, growing up in California. This was back in, I want to say 2008, 2006-ish, around there. There was Proposition 8 in California, Prop 8. And um, it was about gay marriage in California. And um, I was I was out there. I was uh, <laughs> demonstrating, you could say, <laughs> on behalf of of uh, of of gays <laughs> i was uh like kamala harris i was shouting freedom <laughs> do you know that story <laughs> do you know that uh kamala harris stole martin luther uh, king jr's story <laughs> about being in a stroller at a protest when she was a baby and she yelled uh no a police officer said to her uh what are you doing here young lady and she said Freedom. (laughs) Anyway, she stole that story. So, uh, (laughs) two, uh, two plagiarizers in the white house. Anyway, anyway, I was there. Um, I was, uh, I was also, uh, there on behalf of freedom, uh, during proposition eight. And, uh, there were huge crowds, huge crowds on both sides of the street. One side of the street were the gays and the other side of the street were like the religious right of that time. And they were kind of yelling back and forth at each other and whatnot. And, uh, there I was, I had a big giant sign that said, who cares? (laughs) That's right. That was my position. My position for the whole thing was who cares? And I stood there all day with my, with my sign and some backup from my friend. And, um, and I had a lot of people come over and ask me questions, and they're like, what are you doing here? Are you just being a dick? Are you just trying to be a provocateur? What What is this all about? And uh, even some newspapers came up and, and talked to me, and I just told them that that I think the whole thing is stupid because um, because my position is the same now as it was then that— I don't think that uh, we should be arguing about the government affirming our relationships. I mean, give me a break. This is pathetic. (laughs) And so, uh, I don't need the government to recognize, uh, my marriage. If the government came to me, uh, tomorrow and said, uh, Sean, we, uh, we don't recognize your marriage anymore. I'd be like, okay, (laughs) cool. I can move on from that one quite easily. (laughs) And, um, uh, the pushback I got at the time was was these things like, oh, taxes and and probate. And if there are loved ones in the hospital, you don't have a right to see them. All this stuff, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, well, let's just change those laws. <laughs> Wouldn't it be easier just to like add a line to the thousands of pages of tax code or whatever? And so there you go. That was my position way back in uh, the early 2000s with Proposition 8, and it remains my opinion today. Who cares? The government should not be involved in any of this stuff. I don't need the government to tell me who I can and can't love, or to affirm my relationship. I take a uh, I take a hard stance on this one. Who cares? And um, I'll post pic. I'll post a picture. I think I still have one picture of uh, of me and my buddy there with the sign. Although, I look a lot different in that picture. Uh, most people, when they talk about their younger days, say that's back when I had more hair, but I had much less hair at the time. And you'll see if you follow the socials and you uh, see that picture from from way back when. <laughs> and, um, you know, more recently than that, I lived in um, I, I lived in Palm Springs during the the Obergefell decision. What was that, Two thousand. 14, 15, something like that anyway this is when the supreme court uh ruled from on high that uh now gay marriage is a a thing and that the government <laughs> recognizes your marriage so um i lived in palm springs at the time it's a very gay area and um, i had a lot of uh a lot of clients that were that were gay men a lot of old gays and uh, these were like you know long-term relationship old committed gays and um and in some ways I was, I was happy for them because they were happy. They were my friends and, um, you know, I couldn't help but feel like if they thought it was a good thing, then I could be a little bit, you know, happy for them. But, but I also just mostly felt like, oh, okay. Now you guys are getting played by the government too, because all of these progressive steps forward or at least the way they're presented to us as these progressive step forwards, really w- what they are is they're just uh, kind of another ledger entry into the uh, into the government books. And so, you know, instead of progress going in this direction, I would much just prefer that we progress in the other direction, which is the government not recognizing any marriage because I don't care who cares what they think about marriage. So my marriage is between me and my wife and God, and uh, the government is not in it in any way. At least, <laughs> at least I try to keep it that way. So, um, so great. Um, so, whether you're, uh, you know, you thought gay marriage was a good thing or, or, or not, or, or whether you, are like me, and uh, thought that it uh, it doesn't matter. Well, where we are today seems like we have slipped down the slope that uh that that we were warned about at that time, you know that side of the street that was the religious right, they were saying that this is the excuse me, first step in the slope being slipped. and we have slipped. <laughs> we we are definitely slipping down the slope. and uh, the reason that's able to happen is because our good nature is being used against us. Uh, those of us who, uh, thought that, uh, you know, gays and lesbians and whatnot were being mistreated, um, or l- if we were like me and you thought the government was mistreating all of us, um, you're using our good nature against us because they have tricked us. They have used this Trojan horse to usher in the state religion that uh, that we have today. And it's a control mechanism and everyone is falling for it. Let's consider the flag that you have most certainly seen everywhere this month. The newest iteration of the rainbowy flag is called the new progress pride flag. And I will post a link to this, but thank you so much to Volvo. (laughs) That's right. The car company, Volvo, the family car manufacturer, Volvo gives us the definitive guide on pride flags, of all kinds, <laughs> it's a very interesting one. So I will I will link to it. Go through that uh, that article. <laughs> anyway, we're going to be talking mostly about this the new progress pride flag. You've seen this one; it's the one with the rainbow and then the uh, chevrons, which are like the triangly things. And anyway, let's get into it. the The majority of the flag, the field of the flag, is that uh, that original rainbow, that OG rainbow. And you know what? The gays, the gays stole the rainbow from us. They, they stole the rainbow, and the rainbow is awesome. <laughs> I want it back. I want the rainbow back, and uh, I'm not taking it back for <laughs> straight people. I want, I want it back for everyone. I want the rainbow back in public domain, and um, you know, I want Palm Springs back. <laughs> I want Palm Springs and uh, and Key West. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you can have San Francisco. You guys can keep San Francisco. That one, uh, no thanks. <laughs> it's yours to keep. Uh, then we move from the uh, the rainbow uh, field of the flag onto the left there, and that's where you'll find those chevrons. These are the triangle-looking things, and the first two there from, uh, from the uh, 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 right to left is the uh, black and brown. The black and brown stripes. What in the world <laughs> are the black and brown stripes doing on the new progress pride flag. Now um, I know we don't have the video portion of this podcast up and running just yet, but uh, I'm a white guy. (laughs) I'm not a black guy, but if I was a black guy, I'd be like, what am I doing on this flag? (laughs) I, uh, I don't necessarily want to be featured on this flag, although maybe you do, but uh, it doesn't exactly seem like, like it should be there. So what is it doing there? Because, one of these things are not like the other. Well, all they're trying to do is is create a, uh, a voting block. That is the purpose of this flag. They're trying to create a coalition of serfs, a uh, a bunch of loyal subjects, if you will. The point of this flag is to put you on a team. And so they're going to try and pack as many groups onto this team as they can and just make a new flag. And you can tell this is the new flag. This is the new religion because uh, just last week we had it hanging on the, the White House in the most prominent position. So it's all over our uh, embassies. It's everywhere because it is the new religion. So love it or hate it, <laughs> it is here. <laughs> but I'm trying to tell you what they're doing is it's not pure motives. They're just trying to pick off groups at a time and put you all on one flag so that you can be on their team. Now, the next part of this flag is, is curious. Well, there's a couple of... Uh, there's a couple of uh, trans uh, chevrons there. But then we get into the last part of the flag here on the left side, and this is that purple circle. What is that purple circle doing there? It doesn't look like anything else. Well, the purple circle is uh, its a tiny group. So speaking of putting groups on this flag, this one stands for intersex. And it's a tiny, tiny, tiny group. And um, this is, uh, this, like I said, it's for intersex. And The reason this intersex circle is on this flag is because the transgender ideology absolutely needs this on there. Because intersex is, to trans ideology, what rape and incest are to abortion. Now, I know that sounds kind of bad, but I'm going to explain it. Because intersex is the scapegoat. Intersex is the tool that the trans ideologues use because they're able to say, hey, because this very tiny thing does exist, well, it justifies the 99.99% whatever of the other things that we do that are objectively terrible. And those objectively terrible things are, uh, you know, transgender surgeries and, and hormone blockers and all this very unnatural, terrible stuff that gets done. But so as you can see, Rape and incest is used in the abortion industrial complex to say, hey, because this awful thing exists, we can do all these other awful things. And so incest has to be on this flag because they can say, hey, because this uh, very small portion of the population is affected by this genetic or um, mutational change. Well, it justifies everything else we're trying to usher in right now. And it is a thing. I mean, intersex is a thing. It's a, you know, it's a legit medical diagnosis. And it used to be called hermaphrodite. (laughs) They are real people. Just ask Jamie Lee Curtis. (laughs) Famous, uh, famous hermaphrodite. I just found a a Snopes article about her that it's like, it says mostly false, which is weird. When you're, when the claim is that you're a hermaphrodite, you don't, (laughs) mostly false. Anyway, the, the article then goes on to, Claim that it's absolutely true in the uh, in the article. If you read it, much like many of the Snopes articles. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, anyway. That's why the uh, that's why intersex has to be on the flag. It's their legitimizing play to do all of the other awful things that they are uh, trying to do. And um, you know, it's it's a little bit uh, it's a little bit ridiculous because. I knew a kid in school growing up and he had like a uh, deformed arm, like kind of like a lobster arm, whatever kind of like the thalidomide babies uh, that had this, uh, this, this malformation. And, um, and, and so yes, people do have a deformed arm like this or, but, but you would say if you were to define uh, a human, you, you would say it is a, 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 a being that has two arms with, uh, with hands and four fingers and a thumb. Even though that's not the case for everyone, that is the way that you would define it. So uh, it, it, uh, it seems a little bit silly to try and justify all of your actions with this a small subset of the population that really you're victimizing by doing that. And in the case of abortion uh, with the uh, rape and incest victims, that's exactly what they are. And so they are using these people's pain to, um, to usher in an agenda because that's what all of this is. That's what all of this is. It's all an agenda. And, um, and the, the trans agenda has, has uh, taken over. It's really taken over the entire pride argument. And, um, because really, what do all these things have in common? I mean, what does transgender, whatever whatever that is defined as today, what does that actually have to do with, with gay? Uh, and, and black and brown, for that matter. These, these things aren't the same. They're not the same issues. And um, again, it's all, it's all a play to, uh, to put you on a team and to keep everybody fighting each other. And um, there's a good reason why trans has taken the top spot. Well, I don't know if it's a good reason, but I'll tell you the reason that it is taking the top spot right now in the conversation and in the movement. That's uh, money and political power, like it so often is. And that's because trans is the next thing. It is, uh, it is a ploy to whip you into a frenzy and to put you on a team, and, uh, and it's profitable. And the reason we can uh, tell it's profitable is we can look to the kind of charity industrial complex. And uh, we can look at uh, one of these organizations called Stonewall UK. This is a prominent uh, uh, British uh, LGBT uh, charity. And at one time, they were basically going broke. They started out, as the name would imply, as a uh, as a gay charity raising money for gay causes, and essentially the battle for gays and lesbians had been won. Essentially, all Western nations had uh, recognized the governments had recognized that uh, they could, you know, get married and have all the same rights that everyone else could. So, Stonewall had a really hard time raising money. You can't really collect money for a cause that's already been won, and so. For a time, they even tried to shift their focus into black activism. I guess they probably weren't very successful at that uh, naturally because they weren't. Um, and then and then they got the windfall that they needed. Then they stumbled right into trans, and uh, they're back in the money, baby. They're back in because they got they've got new victims, and the cash is a flowing. And it's time to spin up the uh, the propaganda machine. It's time to crank out a bunch of fake uh, bullshit, trans uh, statistics and whatnot. And, um, and now they have their new poster child for the uh, charity industrial complex. And it's a common tactic. It's very common. We, uh, we saw it in medicine over the last 100 years, starting with um, the March of Dimes. The March of Dimes was in the 1930s, and it was a wildly uh, successful charity, and it essentially set the benchmark for this kind of fundraising, this kind of activism, and it established that these things can be very profitable and very powerful because these organizations were able to raise vast amounts of money and then uh, amass really large amounts of of political power and lobby and pressure for uh, for those that are in charge. And then we saw this um, sort of move into cancer through the 60s and 70s. And uh, people eventually got sick of that one, too, because in in the beginning they were saying we're going to cure cancer. We're going to uh, have a cancer vaccine. Anything they could say to, you know, tug at those heartstrings and to um, open those purse strings and really get you to uh, to donate but, uh, but that one faded, faded out too. So they had to have something else. And then wouldn't you know it, AIDS happened and, uh, and they're back in the money again because AIDS like manna from heaven was, uh, bestowed upon the charity industrial complex and they were able to go out there and again, raise huge, huge amounts of money, get uh, money from the government and, uh, you know, it was a worldwide scam they were running and, um vast vast amounts of government power um i'll do an episode on aids and how fauci was able to wield that and turn it into this massive medical industrial complex but anyway aids is fake <laughs> uh so <laughs> we'll get into that one eventually aids is not what they say it is so uh so there you go we went from uh, march of dimes to uh, heart disease and then cancer and then AIDS and then COVID. It just went exponential. And now the medical industrial complex and the federal government are essentially, uh, one massive blob and, um, we can't even tell the difference. It's all it's all one super big, powerful, well-oiled machine, and and so it goes the same with these uh, with these social issue charities. They need to have an issue that they can hang their hat on, so that they can raise money and they can gain power. And uh, it's it's gonna keep going. They just keep the grift going on to the next thing, more fear, more propaganda, and uh, it is, is especially helpful if they can get something that uh, makes us fight each other and uh, makes us hate each other because, after all, they don't want us looking to the uh, multinational companies and their incestuous uh, government relationships. No, no, they, they can't have that. We need to fight amongst ourselves and um, and definitely don't turn our attention to those That are in charge. And a good example of this, do you remember Occupy Wall Street? Occupy Wall Street was this um, left wing, populist, uh, sort of um, uh, 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 raising up against uh, the big money interests and uh, big business and the influence in government and greed and corruption. And man, it was gaining steam quickly. This thing came out of the gate hot. But they had to shut down Occupy Wall Street quick. No, they they couldn't have that <laughs> that going on. Definitely not. So um, so in a, a move of sheer propaganda genius, they uh they shut down Occupy Wall Street like super quick, and then they ushered in the next thing, which is uh, racism. And uh, the the racism grift is a uh, chugging strong today. And uh, and. We know what this is. Uh, this is your uh, this is your Antifa and uh, which is, uh, you know, just a well-funded uh, thug operation just meant to get us to hate each other. And uh, you have your Black Lives Matter, which uh, leverages a, uh, a name that is objectively true, but uh, bastardizes it by being just a Democrat operation. Because uh because Black Lives Matter is Act Blue. That's where all the money went to Act Blue, which is a Democrat super PAC or or whatever. So, so yes, we should be suspicious of a lot of these movements. A lot of these movements are astroturfed and they uh they start out inorganically and they're uh forced down upon us to get us to fight each other and to get us to look the other way. And um, and so now we have uh now, now we have uh, everyone fighting about the trans issue. The, the trans issue is like this thing that definitely should not be uh, outraging. In fact, it shouldn't really even matter because what are we doing nowadays? We are kind of fighting around the fringes, fighting around the edges. We're talking about uh, bathrooms and changing rooms and sports and stuff. And um, I'm sorry to tell you, sorry to tell you, but this stuff shouldn't even matter it shouldn't even be talked about because these things are governed by the laws of nature and we cannot change nature uh, and um, I mean just just think about just just think about the idea of uh, identifying as as something you are not uh, for some reason we think that it is possible to identify as the other opposite of a binary that has existed for all time and uh, essentially all mammalian life. It's fully crazy. Now, if I could, I would identify as the Pope so that I could gain access to the Vatican archives because that's what I would really like to do. But something tells me, something tells me they're not going to believe me. They're not going to... um, To uh, (laughs) let me identify as the Pope and get me into those archives. Now, I could identify as a hippopotamus, too. But uh, if I go start hanging out with hippos, well, they're going to eat me. So this is the same for sports. Sports. Uh, Men have no business in women's sports and uh, they should not be there whatsoever. It is just objectively true and plain for everyone to see that men are much better at uh, sports that uh, have to do with endurance and strength and conditioning because that is just the facts of life. And so they have no business in women's sports taking the uh, medals and trophies away. And in fact, the other way around, I don't think it really matters. Can uh, women uh, compete in men's sports? Sure. Uh, if you want to compete in the physical sports with men, go ahead, <laughs> give it a shot. And um, you know, where that is concerned, when we're we're thinking of uh, both sides of this coin, uh, what about bathrooms, locker rooms, and uh, you know, uh, women's spaces? Men should absolutely not be allowed. In uh, women's restrooms, and women's spaces, and and more importantly, girls' spaces, Uh, they should not be allowed in there. Now, I don't really mind if some woman comes into the men's restroom and tries to pee in the urinal next to me. That's not where the problem is. The concern is where men go into women's spaces, go into women's restrooms, because men are the sexual predators in, like, every case. So, uh, can we just exercise some rationality when thinking about these things. And listen, if a couple of people aren't happy with it along the way, so be it. There's a bunch of things I'm not happy with. I don't have a flag. <laughs> not yet, anyway. I'm working on it. <laughs> and anyway, one of the real problems, speaking of, of uh, you know, girls' spaces, one of the uh, the big problems here is uh, is kids. This transgender movement, which, uh, if I'm being honest... I don't really care if an adult wants to, uh, you know, wear a dress, an adult man wants to wear a dress. In fact, I'll probably watch a show about it. But uh, the fact that they're coming after the kids, the fact that they're doing this to kids is awful. It's terrible. We should not be involving kids in this stuff. But 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 here's what's really going on. And uh, this topic sucks, but we got to talk about it because mark my words, mark my words in Five years or less, there is going to be a pedophile stripe on this flag. Make no mistake, there will be a pedophile stripe on this flag because, well, for a couple of reasons. But for some of the reasons I've already mentioned, which is that these shameless grifters will just move on to the the next grift. And uh, we've already seen them start to push for this. We've seen uh, these leaked videos of lectures and stuff from, uh, from college professors, and we know that's where all this crap starts is in the colleges. We've seen them uh, talk about um, MAPs, that's the word they use, M-A-P, MAPs, which are minor attracted pers- persons, trying to normalize this pedophilia thing, and, um, and what is this acceptance about what is this uh, push for acceptance for pedophilia all about? Well, the other thing it's all about is blackmail. That is why you're going to see a big push to normalize and to accept pedophilia. And it's why I am going on the record saying there's going to be a stripe on this flag for pedophiles. That's because the blackmail... Uh, uh, um, I'll call it a control mechanism. The blackmail control mechanism has moved into the pedo phase because it started out, I guess, back in the kind of forties and fifties when the intelligence agencies were uh, beginning to get their uh, disgusting liver spotted grip on this country uh, and the world. What they did was they used these blackmail operations. And the first ones were honeypots uh, with, um, with uh, with women to uh, for infidelity to get uh, men to cheat on their wives and then that is the proof that they would use or that is the blackmail that they would use to uh, control these men and they also had it in uh, in reverse uh, rolled doll of uh, the art the um, author of James and the Giant Peach he was a uh, honeypot for the government. And, and he would, uh, bed the wives of military officers and, and others and, uh, es- essentially extort information from, uh, from the wives to, to get information that way. So that was the uh, first phase of the, uh, control operation. And then it moved into gay stuff, um, for a, a long time there. <clears throat> if the, uh, the intelligence, um, Agencies had uh, proof that you were gay. That could be very detrimental to your credibility. It could be uh, really bad for your political career. It was a scandal if you were gay. And so it's not that anymore in uh, the same way that infidelity doesn't seem to matter to anyone anymore. But uh, but the next phase of this is pedophilia. And um, we know this is true uh, because of Jeffrey Epstein. I mean, the guy was running a pedophile ring for powerful people. He had, uh, he had an island where he was doing it. He had the largest residential real estate space in Manhattan. This, despite the guy being, by all accounts, a pretty shitty investor. So where was he getting all of this? Where was he getting all of this capital to run his operation? Well, it's pretty clear because his uh, partner in crime... Ghislaine Maxwell, her father, Robert Maxwell, is uh, was the head of Mossad. Mossad is an Israeli intelligence agency that is deeply intertwined with the CIA. So we can see, we can see in real time that the blackmail operation is in pedophilia. And the island and his uh, home, Jeffrey Epstein's um, uh, Manhattan Brownstone, were Wired for uh, video and sound in every single room and so we can uh, presume that uh, what he was running was a blackmail operation and so when you see when you see this push to normalize pedophilia which is absolutely coming it's already started. Well, what we're seeing is the people that are pushing this trying to free themselves from the blackmail that has been pushed upon them because they may have uh, participated in something and somebody has some information on them that they can't let get out. That is, of course, unless they manage to successfully destigmatize pedophilia like they have done with uh, the gay stuff in the past and uh, and uh, uh, affairs extramarital affairs in the past but the difference here the difference here is the uh, the, the great moral evil of uh, of attacking children of assaulting children so one of these things is not like the other and uh, and we quite frankly can't stand for it if people are gay or they had affairs uh, I think we can still tolerate them that is not the case with pedophilia Definitely not the case with pedophilia, and so if these uh, if these lizard scumbags are trying to uh, uh, destigmatize pedophilia so they can get themselves out of that trap, well, <clears throat> not going to happen here. Anyway, anyway, um, regardless of this high level stuff, regardless of this uh, operation, these blackmail operations, the general public is actually buying into some of this stuff. You know, not not full scale yet, but uh, we can see this stuff. We can see that the public just seems to be losing its damn mind because have you seen that that there are child-friendly drag shows? Parents are taking their kids to drag shows. Now, as I said, (laughs) I watched RuPaul's Drag Race. I've been to several uh, drag shows in person. I just have been to them. And um, they're not for kids. Let me tell you, this is not for children. Because drag is a kink. Drag is a uh, sexual proclivity of, of these men. And, um, and you know what? <clears throat> Quite frankly, pedophiles in some case. Because if you're going to perform this kind of thing in front of children, uh, it's very telling. And so the fact that anyone would subject their children to this it's it's rather scary, and it kind of makes me think that the fun vac stuff that we talked about, or that there's something going on within our physiology, within our brain, that is making us act a little goofy, because I can't think of anything worse than kind of exposing your innocent children to to sex unnecessarily, and that's what drag is. Drag is mostly, um, you know, about sex. It's, a, it's about these, uh, these uh, men's kinks, so... So what are we doing? What are we doing? Don't take your kids to drag shows. They don't need that. They don't need it. If they're into it, they're going to find it eventually. <laughs> they, don't, they don't need you taking them to this stuff when they're kids. So can we stop doing that? Can we let kids just be kids? It's terrible. And then speaking of the trans stuff, you know, that's just kind of uh, one aspect of it. There is actually a movement now to trans children. It is fully crazy, fully crazy. I I can't imagine what in the world would go through your head that you would make this lifelong decision for your child into a lifestyle that is dangerous because it is dangerous. Putting them on these hormones will absolutely shorten their life. It will eliminate their uh, ability to grow into sexual maturity. So to be able to have their own children or a family one day, if they choose to. And, um, and so we really shouldn't be allowing, uh, parents to make the, well, we shouldn't be allowing it period. And when I say parents to make these decisions, that's because the parents are the ones making this decision. We all know this to be true. Children cannot consent. I really wanted a tattoo when I was a kid Uh, they were super cool and, uh, I grew up in the era when, uh, tattoos were like all the rage, but I couldn't get one and, um, I'm glad, (laughs) I'm glad I couldn't get one because I can only imagine the tattoos that I would have if I was able to get them as a kid. I have some I got as an adult (laughs) that I don't like. So, uh, so we definitely shouldn't be doing this to kids. Can we please stop doing this to kids? And you know what? Speaking of, uh, stuff that I do, uh... What if, um, what if, say, say, I demanded that uh, that that people take part in in my life, in my interest? Now, I love steam trains. I love steam locomotives. I think they're just the coolest damn thing that has ever existed. It's just a weird hobby of mine. I think steam trains are friggin' amazing, and that is my truth. My truth is that I love steam locomotives, and I think. I should indoctrinate children into my, uh, into my life, into my interest of steam trains. In fact, I demand it. So what if, what if I, um, what if I started doing a, you know, steam train indoctrination hour with children and, um, I, I demanded that because it's my way of life, they should shovel coal into a steam train. Well, coal dust is not good for you, so they may develop health problems that shortens their life. But then what if, like, I don't know, 40% of the kids started falling into the firebox and uh, just just burning? And uh, that wouldn't be good, right? That wouldn't be good at all. And obviously this is stupid. I do really love steam locomotives, <laughs> and I, I wish that everyone else did, uh, but... <laughs> But you can see that it's a ridiculous thing because you don't want kids to do things that are unhealthy or dangerous. And yet somehow we find that we are doing that because the lifestyle, the trans lifestyle is dangerous and it is unhealthy. Even just from a basic physical level, it's dangerous. So we don't want that for kids now. Nobody came to my school and uh, and and indoctrinated me into the steam train lifestyle. I just learned that one on my own. And so the same goes for, uh, you know, the transgender lifestyle. If you want to discover that as an adult, you do you. If you want to put on a dress, again, I'll watch the show. But I don't think we should be doing this to kids. <laughs> They're, they, they, uh, they depend on us to make sound decisions on their behalf. And so let's not do that. Uh, let's not indoctrinate them into a lifestyle that is uh confusing and and depressing and and can be deadly in many cases so let's lay off the kids let's stop doing that and I know it's not most people it's not it's not most of the general public that does this stuff it is it is coming down from the top just like hanging this flag on the White House this is an Astroturf thing that is coming down from the highest levels of uh government and 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 big business and, and banking and uh the the people who would wish to rule us those like uh bill gates i know he comes up a lot but you know he is the quintessential lizard scumbag and you know what he does he goes around vaccinating brown people all over the world and um you know certainly in my opinion and also in uh, rfk jr's opinion poisoning them So he goes around the world uh, hurting them. And he's talked uh, in, in TED Talks about how depopulation and population control is his main concern. And this should be very concerning to us. I mean, let's just look at his pedigree. So this guy, who is one of the richest guys in the world, who dictates so much policy. Well, his father, Bill Gates Sr., Because if you didn't know, the Bill Gates that we all know, he's junior. So his father, Bill Gates Sr., was the head of Planned Parenthood. He basically took over from Margaret Sanger. Margaret Sanger started Planned Parenthood as a eugenics operation. She hated black people. And she was trying to uh, push birth control, and then eventually abortions, mostly into the black community. There are so many documents about her doing this. Now, what are these parallels between her starting this, Bill Gates Sr. then moving into that role, and now his son basically taking vaccines around to the entire world and um, vaccinating and sterilizing brown people all over the world? Well, they're all eugenicists. They, They all have a motive of depopulation. And so this push from the top for transgenderism, and now I'm not talking about, you know, people that fringe cases and whatnot. It's a very rare thing. I'm talking about this push from the top, the flag on the White House, the BlackRock with their ESG scores. They're pushing this stuff from the top because at its core, transgender is a depopulation agenda. Because if they can get the kids on these hormones, it sterilizes them. It sterilizes them. And so, you know, in in another small way, uh, I guess you could say that uh, gay and lesbian lifestyle, because they don't reproduce, uh, you you can add that into their, their depopulation agenda. In fact, Margaret Sanger herself wrote about ushering in a gay agenda just for such reason. And so if you're gay, hey, that's fine. You know, be gay, whatever. But I'm just saying, recognize the signs from when this stuff is coming down from the top. The people who are perpetuating it, they don't have pure motives. They don't care about you. Think about, uh, you know, that flag hanging from the White House. I don't know how dumb you have to be to think that Joe Biden cares about any of the lifestyle on that flag. Let's think about what's on that flag. We have, uh, you know, the, 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 the gay rainbow. Well, Joe Biden spent his entire career up until five minutes ago uh, opposing gay marriage. So, you know, even the soft stance that I took of who cares? Well, he was against it, like vehemently, like on the other side. And then the black and brown stripes that are on there. Well, uh, Joe Biden said that he doesn't want his kids to grow up in a racial jungle. So uh, And he also eulogized Robert Byrd, who was a prominent KKK member. So if I met Joe Biden, I might ask, hey, when did you decide that you were going to take all of these progressive opinions? When did you decide that you changed your opinion on all of these things you spent your entire life advocating against? That would be an interesting conversation. And something tells me he didn't change his opinion on any of that, but that he's just controlled. And that this stuff is coming from the same places. It's coming from the think st- the think tanks. It's coming from your Tavistock Institute. It's coming from your, you know, uh, BlackRock ESG scores. And it's coming from those depopulationist eugenicists. And they're just flowing it right through. Weekend at Bernie's, Joe Biden. And so, uh, so you know what? I will, um, I will continue. I will continue with my opinion that I started with way long time ago in 2006 or 2008, whatever it is, and I will go with who cares because that's how I feel. Who cares? You do you. If uh, you want as a as an adult, uh, you know, if you want to be transgender and, um, you know, essentially physiologically uh, give up your rights to have children and that's what you really want. Go ahead. Do that. Um, I don't think it's a good idea, but uh, you're free to do that. I am not going to uh, call you a woman if you wear a dress because I'm not going to participate in your delusion, but you're free to have it. So go right ahead. You do you. And so let me just kind of wrap this up and just say the the main point that I'm trying to get across here is that pride has really... um, It's really become this corporate propaganda, this astroturf movement from the government. And I really don't mind it the way it used to be. But I think we should be really weary of where it is going. We don't want it to turn into the uh, divide and conquer strategy that it really seems to be uh, moving toward. Because I don't want to divide us. I I think we can all live together uh, just fine. You do you, I'll do me, and, and we'll all... Uh, kind of move along together. So, you know, whether you think that kissing the government ring to allow you to get married or whether you're like me and you're like, who cares? Uh, I think the federal government shouldn't be involved anyway. I think we can find some middle ground here. And so like channeling Rodney King for the second time on this show, can't we all just get along? Can't, can't we all just get along? And um, I'll caveat that by saying, can't we all just leave the kids alone? Let's let the kids be the kids. And so if, uh, you know, what? I'll just, uh, I'll wrap it up there. But I do want to close with this. I want to close with this. I'm going to say, I have a quote here, and I didn't write down who it's attributed to. But here it is the uh, the quickest way to truly destroy a nation or a people or a culture is to obliterate their sense of self and their cohesion and unity and sense of brotherhood and common heritage so let's do that let's remember our brotherhood and our common heritage and let's not let this astroturfed agenda coming down from the highest and most powerful people affect our ability to live together and uh, and prosper freely. Together, <laughs> without the government. <laughs> and anyway, so there we go. There we go. It's wrapped up. And um, I, I just, I couldn't end this show without a song from RuPaul, <laughs> because I don't know if you know this, but in addition to making Drag Race, RuPaul makes music of some kind. It's, uh, it's definitely music. So uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy this absolute gem by RuPaul and until next time thank you so much for listening we will see you next week Uh-huh. oh yes honey due to the fact that her thighs spread just like been Stir- up been up been up been up been up been up been a She is mine. Boom, boom. Come round if you're so inclined. Boom, boom, boom. Must be jelly cause jam, don't wow. shake. Must be jelly cause jam, don't we shake. Must be jelly cause jam, don't oh. shake. Spread that jelly, yeah. spread it good. Hit it by the head, kiss my grit. Work. Your mama's in the kitchen by the oven on the fridge. Work. Your daddy's in jail, raise your hair. And your on. sister on the corner, sister on the corner selling. Hello, hello, hello. Making your cheese Yo cheese, yo Yo cheese up. When you hit the beat up Working your feet up Jumping all around Like you're catching a seizure Like Biggie, RuPaul, and Freedom Yes, yes, you better believe up Must be Jellico Jam don't, don't, don't shake Must be Jellico Jam don't shake Must be Jellico Jam don't shake It's your jelly Tastes so good Must be Jellico Jam don't shake Must be Jellico Jam don't shake Must be Jellico Jam don't shake Spread that Spread that jelly don't work your mama's in the kitchen you make your work go so hard your daddy's in jail Come on. raising hair and your on. sister on the counter sister on the counter selling oh yes honey beedle, 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 beedle. want to eat this cake let me show you how to answer gay <laughs>